and welcome to the podcast version of COS Live, a weekly program keeping you up to date on the Article 5 movement working to reclaim liberty in America. You can watch the original live broadcasts on Convention of States Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and X. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, COS supporters. Welcome back to another edition of COS Live. My name is Andrew Lush. I'll be your host. And of course, I'm joined by Rita Peters, who is the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs, but she's also my co-host. Rita, it is great to be back with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's good to be back, Andrew. And hey, I'm hoping today, as always, that the folks out there watching will drop a comment or a tweet. Let us know that you're watching. Let us know where you're watching from. And you might just be featured in the next edition of the COS Live Mailbag, right? That's right, Rita. And we are going to uh, spend some time on the COS Mailbag later in the program. Uh, We have some great things lined up in addition to the mailbag. We have two awesome volunteers from the Ohio team. They're going to be talking about how Ohio introduced the Convention of States resolution in the summer. Most state legislatures do not do that. So we're going to ask them what's going on, why Ohio introduced their resolution early. And we're going to be talking about what we can expect in the coming legislative session. Also, uh, we will Ohio be number 20? Will we get the 20th state to pass our COS resolution? Well, we'll talk with our two uh, volunteers, our two guests in just a few moments. We also have another edition of COS Now so that you are kept up to date with everything that's going on in the COS movement. We have our Article 5 trivia trivia giveaway with Mike Ruthenberg. And of course, we have the mailbag. So a lot of great items that we're going to cover today, Rita. But of course, as always, we do have to start with our Article 5 trivia giveaway. So Mike, over to you. Thank you, Andrew. What a blessing it is to be here with you to be in America and to be with us as we continue our fight to bring an Article 5 convention to America for the right reasons, of course. It is time to do a little bit of Article 5 trivia. I'm very pleased to be able to bring this question to you because part of it is a celebration and an anniversary. And last week, you may have heard Convention States announce an endorsement from freshmen U.S. Congressman Josh Burkine. And before becoming a congressman, he was a state legislator when this state passed the Article 5 application. My question, of course, is which state was the seventh state to pass our Article 5 resolution? And if you're the one that gets it, I'll repeat the question in just a minute, then you can get one of these cool COS polo shirts. You can go to shopconventionstates.com if you don't happen to win, and you can get one right now if you like. But if you answer the question, remember the question is last week, Convention of States Action announced the endorsement from freshman U.S. Congressman Josh Burkeen. Before becoming a congressman, he was a state legislator. When his state passed the Article 5 resolution, the question again, which state was the seventh one to pass our Article 5 resolution. I'll be back later to give you a little bit more of the story and to give you the answer to the question. In the meantime, back to you, Andrew and Rita. 
Thanks, Mike. Well, it's that time again. Time to see some history being made across the country. It's time for the latest edition of COS Now. Congressman Eric Burleson and constitutional attorney Jenna Ellis recently appeared on COS Live to express their support for the Convention of States movement. If you missed it, here's some of the highlights. What I would love to see, um, I think most importantly, is term limits uh, in both the federal judiciary as well as uh, term limits in all areas of federal government, not just elected officials, but the federal bureaucracy. That is truly how you drain the deep state. And what President Trump said when he was running in 2016 is absolutely correct that we need to drain the swamp. The only way to do that is to make sure that they are also limited in their tenure. So I think that is one of the key uh, amendments that could be passed through Convention of States. You know, being a, a legislator was was an amazing opportunity. You're able to change policies that would impact the lives of Missourians. But there was nothing that had that could potentially have a bigger impact on not just Missouri, but the entire nation, like the Convention of States. And so to me, it was very humbling to be the spearhead for that for that movement or for that process through the Missouri House and then Senate. And, and I'm one of the proudest things that I've ever been a, been a part of. It's the 10th month of 2023, and the Convention of States movement is celebrating its 10-year anniversary. It's in that spirit that we've launched a new initiative to build momentum for 2024, the Power of 10 project. Over that time, we've gathered 2.5 million petition signatures, and they've helped us to victory in 19 states. Today, we're introducing the Power of 10 project, and I'm encouraging you to participate in encouraging 10 other people, 10 patriots just like you, to sign the Convention of States petition. If you do that, we create a ripple effect that amplifies our message and influence and gets us closer to the 34 necessary states. Go to conventionofstates.com forward slash power of 10. The Western Leaders Summit was held in Sacramento last month with activists from Washington, Oregon, New Mexico, Nevada, Hawaii, and California in attendance. Representatives from the state teams are already planning their strategies for the upcoming legislative year. And finally, an urgent new message from Congressman Ira Pressrights. Well, once again, Convention of States has reared its ugly head to challenge the beautiful, sexy head of the federal government. It's come to my attention that they have recently had a stimulation of their Article 5 convention. This simulation was meant to demonstrate what the actual convention will be like. A kind of practice, if you will. Except that you don't practice in government. You just do. We pass legislation all the time. We have no idea what's in it or even what it does. But we're not paid $174,000 a year to think. We're paid to do. And even voting for something stupid is better than not voting at all. Ooh, that's my next campaign slogan. Okay, let's discuss the amendments. So there were six. That's a half dozen. So first they would do them in committee and then they would bring them to the floor. The first one was term limiting congressmen. Racist. Against who? Congressmen. That video comes courtesy of the Convention of States Maryland team. And now you're up to date with Convention of States. <laughs> All right, that last one made me laugh, Rita. That was, that's funny. And, and that's <laughs> That's just funny. I don't care who you are. That's yeah. funny. And yeah. Andrew, did Mark Meckler get new glasses? I noticed that. They <laughs> they look pretty stylish. I like it. And a new shirt too, by the way. Did you catch that? That's the new COS swag that was uh, released. I may or may not have already ordered a couple of um, those shirts for 
people on my Christmas list. So, hey, y'all, go to the COS store. There's lots of cool stuff there. Um, but in all seriousness, Andrew, I was so sorry that I missed your interview with Jenna Ellis. <laughs> I was really looking forward to that and sorry that I missed her. Um, but I have to just, you know, emphasize what she said and second her opinion about the importance of term limits for federal bureaucrats. Yes, I do think we should term limit members of Congress, but we need to also term limit the bureaucrats. Otherwise, it just gives the deep state actual actually more power because they're the ones who have been there the longest and, you know, are actually behind the scenes controlling what's going on. So I love term limits for bureaucrats. What else did you see in, in that video you want to comment on, Andrew? Well, I want to second what you said about term limits for bureaucrats. Absolutely right. And it's one of the things that we hear often. Uh, our opponents will say, well, wait a minute, you want term limits, but what about the bureaucracy? And our response is yes. Yes, what, what the bureaucracy needs to be term limited as well. Um, we, we need to make sure that we are holding the federal government accountable, but we got to hold the bureaucracy accountable too, because mm -hmm. a large expanse of bureaucracy has gotten us to where we are, at least in part, they've gotten us to where we are right now. So I just, I want to second that. Um, I, 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 I just, I'm just thinking about that, that, that last bit, that last little uh, um, mock mockery from, from the Maryland team that just really tickled me. And I think it's kind of indicative of the culture that we're in right now, where people are just, they're, they're screaming about um, all of these hot button issues and not looking at what the real problems are. Um, so under the surface, like she's saying, oh, that was racist. Okay, it's so funny uh, because it's true that we see that in society where people are labeling things. Uh, they're, they're giving these labels that are not needed, right? Instead of focusing on the issues. The issues and, that we see right now, uh, Rita, uh, politicians who spend way too long in Washington, D.C., spending that's out of control. I mean, no one can argue with that. And also, there's more power centralized in Washington, D.C. than there ever has been in American history. And these are real issues. And you can throw any labels out there that you want. But these are real issues that need to be solved. Otherwise, there's going to be a day when the chickens are going to come home to roost. So. <laughs> absolutely right, Andrew. Okay, um, let's get to our interview. That's right. Let's bring on our two guests from Ohio. Joining us today, we have Bill Scott, the State Director for Convention of States Ohio, and we have Sue Kaler, who is the Legislative Liaison. Uh, thank you for joining us, both of you. I, I want to jump right into uh, what's happening in Ohio, because there's many people who are tuning in who are not familiar with the legislative process, particularly in Ohio. So tell us the big news and what it means uh, for COS Ohio? Well, uh, we are a full-time legislature, um, unlike many of the states around the country that have part-time legislatures. So we have a two-year uh, cycle for our General Assembly, and uh, January 1 started our new General Assembly for this year. And uh, we have our HJR 3, which is our House Joint Resolution, uh, was introduced uh, in early July of this year. Uh, we had some dramatic uh, things happen in the House in the first half of the year with a divided uh, GOP caucus, despite the fact that we have a, a two-thirds supermajority uh, GOP caucus. It's uh, split with some um, happenings that uh, uh, involving the speaker's race. So uh, there's a bit of uh, dysfunction in the Ohio House, but we're working through that. And 
Uh, we're not letting that stop us. Uh, it does provide a road, a road bump along the way, uh, but we did get our introduction in early July, as I said, um, and uh, we're, we're very pleased about that. It, it may take longer to get to hearings and things like that because of the dysfunction uh, in the House, uh, but uh, the process went well in terms of recruiting uh, co-sponsors. We uh, were fortunate this year with our two lead sponsors that we have of uh, gathering 17 co-sponsors, uh, excuse me, 21 co-sponsors, and those uh, two lead sponsors equals 23 people on our bill. Uh, that's an improvement of six uh, sponsors over what we had in the last General Assembly. So that's kind of where we are in terms of the, uh, the, the bill. And uh, we have not been introduced in the Senate yet, um, but uh, we, uh, we wait on that. We know we have some, some people willing to co-sponsor and uh, to sponsor uh, in the Senate when the time is right for that. Sue, you have been working with this Ohio team as legislative liaison for several years now. It has been my honor to get to know you, to meet you in person on multiple occasions at the state capitol. And you've really gotten to know the players in the legislature there in Ohio. Can you tell us a little bit more about the legislators who are spearheading this effort in Ohio? Your primary sponsors, maybe some of your champion co-sponsors. What are they like? What motivates them? Are they leaders? Are they active? What can you tell us about them? Well, you're right about that. Um, Matt Huffman is the Senate president. And because of the way um, Bill just referred to our legislature, Matt Huffman spent eight years in the, in the House. Uh, and that he started about the same time I did lobbying um, in 2013 and 20, I think 2014 was the first time uh, Mr. Uh, Mike Ferris got to come to Ohio and help us out. Um, but Matt Huffman was in the House for the eight years and now he's been in the Senate for, uh, you could say three, he's got one more year to go, but he's the Senate president. So he's, he's rock solid. He understands Article 5. He's been the leader in the um, in the Alec group and, and maybe some other ones. So he understands it. Um, he likes some of the features and the pillars in our application more than he likes others, but he has the power and the knowledge that he needs uh, to help his body get, you know, get through it. Uh, hopefully it will be in this general assembly when he's the Senate president. Um, he's let it be known that he intends to run for house representative as, as he's term limited out of the Senate. So we expect that we'll have him to help us out this year in the Senate or possibly as Speaker of the House in the next GA. Hopefully it won't come to that. Um, so Matt Huffman uh, has to be mentioned first. His uh, right-hand man in the Senate now is Rob McCauley. Um, I believe his title is the majority leader this year. And Rob McCauley is expected to join uh, Michelle Reynolds as being co-sponsors for our bill. So uh, Rob McCauley, again, super solid coming up through the through the House, and now he's on the Senate side, expected to be the next Senate president and is the sponsor of our bill. So those are really good things. Um, on, this, on the House side, uh, we have uh, Reardon McLean and uh, uh, fighter jet um, uh, Air Force 
fighter jet uh, flyer Bernard Willis as our co-sponsor in the house. So really, really great, great sponsors on the in the house and in the Senate, and um, they just bring a lot to it with their, um, you know, their relationship in their legislative body, and then the access that they're giving our grassroots when we try to reach out to them. Hmm. So they know their stuff and they have the ability to get it done. Bill, can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the Ohio team? Because you're regarded, your team is regarded as one of the most active teams over the years. Uh, COS Ohio has collected over 110,000 petition signatures. You have extremely active district captains, a very large district captain team. Uh, tell us about what are what are some of the actions that your team has taken up to this point, and can you name some recent or upcoming initiatives that uh, your team is going to be carrying out that are part of your your strategy? Sure, Hi, uh, Andrew. Um, I'm very proud of the team. Um, I've been state director for a little over two years now, but I have to say that the groundwork was uh, laid um, prior to my becoming state director by the previous uh, teams that uh, I think divided the state into six regions early on and uh, attempted to uh, create, if you will, a mini state team in each region of the state so that you could cover more of the state up close and personal. Um, so the goal is, is to have uh, a regional captain in each of the six uh, regions, which we do, uh, and then have as many of the, the statewide type positions in each of those regions that we can. For instance, uh, each region ideally would have its own grassroots coordinator its own legislative liaison. Uh, Sue, for instance, uh, is for the entire state, but uh, she also can, can cover her own uh, region where she lives. Um, and then uh, the other uh, positions as well. And, and by and large, that has uh, helped us um, grow our team pretty well and, and also replace people as they move on inevitably. Um, and I think that the, the team uh, functions well when we have the ability to meet in person and meeting in person when you have smaller geographic regions to cover rather than all state works to our advantage to, to do that. So um, the regional function, I think, is part of the reason we've grown. We've been at it for 10 years, um, I guess, from the beginning. Um, and uh, Ohio is a, a state where the people like to get involved. I think we're um, involved in many different things uh, as individuals. Uh, the people in leadership, of course, uh, COS is their passion, but they're involved in many other things. For instance, uh, in Ohio right now, we have a, a very important issue called Issue 1, which is going to be on the ballot in November. Issue 1 is a ballot question about um, um, making in the state constitution, not in our, in our state law, but in the state constitution, abortion legal up through and including birth. Uh, and it could also uh, affect parental rights on notifications for, for things. Um, so we have chosen uh, with the uh, advice and consent, of course, with our, our national team to have the Ohio grassroots uh, mobilize and activate and try to help defeat this ballot initiative that would enshrine abortion uh, in the Ohio Constitution. And why that's so important uh, on the issue is that Ohio is the only state this year in 2023 that uh, has uh, this as a, as a political question for the November ballot. Um, next year in 2024, it's our understanding there are about eight other states 
where the, uh, the, the folks advocating for um, uh, abortion like that um, are going to try the same tactic they're using in Ohio in eight other states in a, in a presidential election year. So uh, the stakes are pretty high. We're working very hard and it, uh, it uh, remains to be seen whether we'll be successful or not. A lot of money is being thrown uh, at this issue. So that's just one example. We, we've done other things to keep the, the grassroots uh, engaged, such as uh, we're involved in something called the Municipalities Project. And that is uh, we are going and selectively to certain uh, towns and cities and municipalities and presenting them the option to do a short mini COS resolution, if you will, non-binding, of course, but uh, we've been successful about a half a dozen times and it gets for us the people who are influential in their their local communities who in turn are influential with our state legislators so uh, we like that very well it's something that we do as an adjunct not in lua but as an adjunct to our our lobbying of our state legislature so those are just a couple of the things that, that keep us busy in addition to our, our normal uh lobbying of our state legislatures and building grassroots well, we are certainly very proud of our highly active and engaged Ohio team. Now, let me ask you both this question. With all that's going on or not going on in Congress right now, it seems more than ever that an Article 5 convention is needed to get some things done that the American people have wanted for a long time, things like term limits, fiscal restraints, limits on federal power, so that people really can govern themselves again. Why do you both think that this is the right time to call an Article 5 convention? And Sue, I'll let you take the first stab at that one. Well, I, over the years, have uh, recognized that term limits are easy for everyone to understand. And we know that you know Republicans favor term limits in the 80th percentile percentile 83 percent i think in the last poll and all the way down to democrats which are is also over 50 percent so that's the no-brainer but what i'm hearing now as i listen to the news is this 33 trillion dollar debt has is huge now that people are feeling it in their pocketbook and their 401ks and the uncertainty about the future of the dollar as the um you know the the vehicle for trading of other countries so so the more the more that's in the news the more the legislators are starting to talk about they're taking it to you know the financial and fiscal balance budget the the spent the spending uh debt deficit all that stuff is very on top of mind for the voters and for the legislators so we're trying to think of a snappy way and actually i think mark Mark says it best when he just says, who decides, you know, my term is, uh, turns people off because it's, you know, not everybody latches onto it right away. But uh, Mike Ferris talked about it when he first came to Ohio and worked with, with me. And that is, you know, the jurisdiction of the agencies, where do they belong? They belong where the enumerated powers said in the constitution, but we are so far away from that. It's a little bit hard for people to get around. So, um, I hope that they that the led, that the people running for office embrace that, and the convention of states then will come naturally if the if the jurisdiction or 
who decides or decisions should be made closer to home. However we um, term, term, term it, the more people hear it, I think it's going to be just, you know, hopefully it gets to the point where people are like, you know, not so, um, not so uh, much in the news where people say like, didn't we already do that? Not taking it that far, but just so familiar that they're ready, that, that it, it's almost like it's, it's going to be an easy step and not a huge leap to hold the convention if it's already being discussed in and mm. outside of the media. That's good. Bill, how about you? Why do you think now is the time for an Article 5 convention? I think it's an ideal time because, quite frankly, the world is on fire. All you have to do is turn on the news or don't turn on the news. Just listen to people as you uh, talk to them after church or at the grocery store or wherever you are. Uh, it's top of mind for everybody what's going on in, in the world and in our country. And uh, we who study this uh, can very easily take a headline and explain to people and in most cases, well, you know, if, if we took back control of our, uh, of our, uh, our powers and, and put those powers back to the states where they are intended, many of these problems that we see in Washington that emanate from Washington could be solved with an Article 5 convention. And I, I echo and agree with everything Sue said. And uh, my, uh, particular area of concern is fiscal. I come from the financial world. Before I retired, I spent my career in, in accounting and finance and uh, that sort of thing. And so I understand the uh, the fiscal troubles that we are in with the $33 trillion in, in debt um, and getting worse and worse every day. Um, people understand that now. They, they don't have to have a you know, a, a PhD in finance to understand that the government is out of money and they're basically spending their kids and grandkids future uh, ability to earn a living just to pay the, the interest on the federal debt. Uh, right now, the, the government is uh, coming to pay the piper because all of that short term debt is being rolled over and have to be financed at higher interest rates. Um, and that's going to make our deficit even worse. So. Um, the common person understands uh, a checkbook and basically the government's checkbook is had red zeros for uh, for a long time. So that's the one that animates me the most. And I also think that anything, like I said, headline related, we try to in our social media posts and our uh, communications uh, pieces, we try to relate the, the issues to the current headlines. And that's very effective. And our state communications coordinator uh, does that pretty effectively. Mm. That's great. Now, Sue, just tell our viewers, what is the next step in the legislative process as far as Ohio um, moving toward passage of the Article 5 application? Well, um, we were successful this year at getting them. This doesn't really answer your question, but, but we have an attorney legislative liaison uh, in the Toledo area who did a deep dive for us and was successful at getting Ohio finally to change the wording of our resolution away from the you know, misnomer, the CONCON. So that's a breakthrough for us. And when we make history, we do not want that to be on, you know, in the record books for people having to circle back 200 years from now, you know, maybe to, to tweak the constitution again, we want it, we wanted it to be written properly. So, um, uh, the other things that we're, we're 
um, that I think are noteworthy are the fact that right now we're in the middle of a drip campaign. It's a really well-crafted, thought out, well-written. Um, it's the best of the best of the articles that have been written by Dr. Ferris and um, Rob Nadelson, and then some blogs that we've written locally. And then strategically, um, uh, collated so that they tell a story to the legislators. So that drip campaign has come out and we've made them short and kind of catchy with a lot of links to videos that tell the story. And I, and a lot of graphics, I just think it's, it's a great way to get started, you know, in the, in the, well, I think they're going out to the Senate too. We don't have legislation pending in the Senate yet, but that could be any day. Uh, we had uh, one of our Senate sponsors attend the SIM. She's very excited, um, Michelle Reynolds. And she, like I said before, she should be sponsoring it with Rob McCauley. So they'll they'll drop that when they're ready. Um, you know, I've given up, you know, uh, I understand that we don't play a part in that. They'll, they'll drop it when they're ready. They know what they're doing. Um, so most of what we're doing is in the house. And like I said, we're ready to go with testimony. So we'll have tons of written testimony um, another thing that our, I'm going to just say writing team for, for our, you know, for brevity, but they've written, um, a, a testimony, very strategic testimonies, um, that will supplement the, the, um, organic stories that come from our grassroots. Cause anybody can write a testimony and we, we want lots of written testimony. We'll also have, um, you know, kind of like organic stories to tell from our grassroots, but there's this structure that we've added this year. And that is um, where we tell we we tell the stories of the history. I wasn't on that uh, team. I hope I'm saying this right. The history of the the founding, um, the the um, you know what our founders put on the line for it. How carefully they studied governments and philosophy and religion and incorporated that into um, into what uh, in, into the founding. And then other um, pieces of testimony that will talk about um, the, the um, opposition that we get. So it'll be the process, the history, the opposition argument, you know, one by one by one. And at the end, we're, we think that we're going to have a beautiful quilt stitched very tight. So even the most leery um, uh, legislator has to see that we really... Um, have a strong thought, well thought out story to tell that started with the constitution. So our drips campaign and our testimony and the, and most important, and I'm not sure if we have time or if Bill's gonna talk about the grassroots, but we have just a, the greatest grassroots and we've done it kind of an analysis of matching, you know, we've looked at each house district, prioritized which of the legislators sit on committees, which ones are in leadership, what their position is on convention estates from the whip count that we carried over from the last GA. And we're just really focused on uh, making sure that we have the, the best team possible in every house district that, that we think is gonna make a difference. Like we have our priority house district and legislators and we know where our opportunities are. So that's the first thing is to figure out you know where to where to focus first and and where the priorities are they kind of tricked us by switching the committee that we thought it would go in but we know who the committee people are and you know we don't go anywhere if we can't get through committee so those guys that, and ladies that sit on that committee are top priority and 
we're just putting a team together that is going to hit on all cylinders. That's the plan. I have one question for you, uh, and then we'll go to Bill. Um, there's several people on who are listening in right now who are tuning into this live, the CUS live. Um, and what would be your call to action to Ohio viewers? Like what, what can they do to help you out, to help the COS Ohio team out? What's your call to action for those viewers? Well, if you're asking me, of course, I'm biased towards the, the legislators. And so the, a big opportunity, I think the first thing the district captains need to know is how much we rely on them. They, they are the game changer because they're boots on the ground and they're the ones that have the ability to find the legislator in the district and develop a relationship. So that's actually our theme for this general assembly is develop relationships. And with this, and you know, and, and the other thing that we've come to realize is it goes both ways. You know, as I watch politicians and legislators not having been in, involved in that arena before, as I watch what they do and how they relate with each other and and you know the 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 cracks that we can actually break through and develop these relationships it goes both ways and the past couple years you know we've been able to help them you know either as sovereign citizens or you know once you know we did things like send the survey out and say you know this is who we are these are the questions we have to ask if any anybody in you know running for state official could say that they would support us then then we that's that's information that we can work with and we do so so we we're trying to really get to know you know through you know where they live what they've sponsored um how they voted and and what they talk about at the meetings that that the town halls that they lead or you know what's important to them and then whenever we agree with them we try to support that and it's starting to pay off our relationships are way stronger now than they were even two or three years ago i really believe that and bill same question to you what's your call to action for ohio viewers well i of course would echo 100 percent what sue just said and we always uh emphasize the need to have constant communication with your representative or your senator and normally that involves uh, sending emails or phone calls or what have you and uh that is that is the bread and butter but more importantly, I think, is building the personal relationship. If you can, uh, some some are a little bit standoffish. Most are not. You just have to make the effort to uh, visit them when they hold office hours in, in the Panera or wherever they do, or uh, go to one of their events, um, be at somebody else's event. Uh, there's a lot of, right now, the, the, the county fairs are all over in the state, but the fall festivals are going gangbusters, and they're uh, state representatives and state senators uh, are usually always at these fall festivals. So uh, we're encouraging our people to go out to them and talk to them afterwards. It's a great way to get uh, three, four, five minutes with, with your representative without an appointment. So we, we uh, let them know about that. Um, the other thing I would mention, I just want to put an addendum to uh, your earlier question, Andrew, about some of our activities uh, and the call to action. Um, we, we, in addition to this issue one, which is the election related November 7th in Ohio, uh, we are uh, doing get out the vote calls through telepatriot. And uh, we could always use more telepatriot callers. We have been encouraging folks to, uh, to uh, you know, try it. 
if you have any hesitation, you're calling friendly people and uh, these are our supporters. So it's not like trying to sell, uh, you know, the latest uh, vitamin supplement to a, a skeptical person. These are friendly people. So we want our people to become telepatriots. We need more of them, especially as we come up to next year in 2024, uh, a big, big election year. We're going to need lots of telepatriots. The other thing that we did that uh, I could ask for more help on is uh, we prior to the get out the vote for the issue one, we started recruiting uh, poll workers. This was an initiative that we thought that uh, made a lot of sense in Ohio is to get our people involved in, in the, uh, the local uh, politics, if you will, by uh, starting to be a poll worker. We called uh, uh, three of the biggest counties in Ohio and uh, our supporters and suggested, why don't you consider uh, putting in an application, become a paid poll worker on election day. And then, uh, you know, you can take that experience and, and continue doing that each election thereafter. Perhaps you end up running a district in a couple of years or a couple of election cycles. So that has been successful. We've recruited over, uh, I think, 120 or 130 people at my last count. Um, not all of them may end up being appointed, uh, but at least there were 120, 130 people who said, yes, I'm definitely going to apply or I'm seriously thinking about applying. So those are some of the things that Ohio folks can do. Well, those are some awesome calls to action. And again, for our viewers out there, if you want to volunteer, if you want to get involved, like Bill said, as a telepatriot volunteer making phone calls for COS Ohio, please go to our take action page on the main website. Go click on volunteer activist or district captain or whatever your skill set is. Go check out our different volunteer opportunities. Uh, Bill and Sue, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for giving us an update. And for giving Can I have uh, 30 seconds, Andrew, before we hang up? Oh, of course you can, Bill. I'll give you Okay. I just wanted to say one year ago this week, I don't know if you can see it here. One year ago, we were in uh, Orlando. There it is. Ohio State Team of the Year 2022. One year ago, I am very proud of the team and thank you all for the work you've done. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been wonderful. I know you'll continue doing it through 2023 and beyond. And Bill, we're proud of you and, for, and we're proud of your team as well. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We got to have you back. You're going to need to give us another update on the progress that we're seeing in Ohio. So you're always welcome back. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. With that, we're going to go over to Mike, who has the answer for our Article 5 trivia giveaway. Mike, back to you. Thank you, Andrew. Boy, I hope you enjoyed hearing from this Ohio team. What an amazing, amazing team it is. They are super strong, they're super organized, and they're super innovative. One of the things that I want to give a shout out to, because I would imagine there's a lot of Ohioans that are watching this right now, is you guys have been animals when it comes to the events. Right now, Convention of States is bringing in about 34% of all of our petitions from events. Ohio's leading the way in the states. Congratulations, you guys are doing such a great job. Now it's back to our Article 5 trivia. If you remember from the beginning, I let you know, if you didn't already, that COS has a great new endorser from a freshman U.S. congressman named Josh Burkeen. And before uh, Mr. or Senator, we should say, uh, or before Congressman Burkeen became a uh, congressman, he was a state legislator 
with this state that passed the resolution. And that state was the seventh state to pass a resolution. The question, what is the seventh state to pass the COS resolution? I'm sure a lot of you got a hold of that answer right away. The answer, of course, Oklahoma, the great state of Oklahoma. What a beautiful state. It was the seventh one to pass the application. Congressman Josh Burkeen was a member of the Oklahoma Senate when our Article 5 application was successfully adopted. In a written statement, freshman U.S. Congressman Burkeen said, and I quote, for the last few decades, we have seen unelected bureaucrats subvert the will of people, of the people, and pass new rules and regulations without even consulting Congress, state, or local governments. This one-size-fits-all approach from Washington goes exactly against the Constitution and what our fathers, our founding fathers, intended for our country. Today, I'm proud to endorse the Convention of States to limit the power of the federal government and return the power back to the people, end quote. Representative Burkeen joins the ever-growing list of nationally known patriots who have affixed their signatures to the Article 5 solution. If you want to join them, which every, every signature is super important, sign the petition right now. Go to conventionofstates.com. You can sign the petition. And if you want to read more about uh, uh, Congressman Burkeen or any of our other endorsers, just go to conventionofstates.com forward slash endorsements, and you'll be able to see some of the great minds, some of the great thinkers that understand the value of using our Constitution to save our constitution. Again, if you didn't win this cool shirt, go to shopconventionstates.com and you can not only shop for the more professional looking stuff, but we also have some cool brand new shirts just like this one. This is one of my favorite new shirts that we have. You can pick one of those up or one of the many products we have in the store. And that's all I've got for today. Back to you, Andrew. Thanks, Mike. It's time for the COS Live Mailbag. These are messages and questions from viewers like you. If you want to be featured, drop us a comment on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Uh, this first one's from Mel Heinrich. What would happen if only 46 states show up for the Convention of States? Would it still be effective? Rita, I'm going to pitch this one to you. Well, Mel, great question. And the answer is yes, it would still be effective. And I wouldn't be want to be in one of those four states that decides to sit it out, right? Uh, hopefully all of the states will decide to participate. Bad choice to stay home. Um, hopefully the citizens of those states would be screaming at their state legislatures um, to get them to go. But yeah, the fact of the matter is it takes 34 states to apply to get to convention. And then once those 34 states apply, all the states can participate, um, but they don't have to. Nothing forces them to go. And then it takes a majority of the states at the convention in order for an amendment to be pushed out for the ratification stage, and it still takes 38 states to ratify a proposed amendment. So hope that helps, Mel. Okay, real question, is Rhode Island gonna show up, Rita? 
<laughs> well, that's the question on everybody's mind, right? Rhode Island wasn't at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, and they weren't, unfortunately, at our simulated convention um, over the summer. But yes, hopefully they will participate. You know, Rita, this one's funny because I just think it'd be so crazy. Why would you not want to participate? This is going to be the most <laughs> exciting political event in, in American history. And yeah. I think has characterized it as being the Super Bowl, the World Series, and the Kentucky Derby all wrapped up into one. So why would you not want to be there? It'd be so historic just to participate. Yeah, so, that's right. Crazy. All right, next one we have from Chris Chrisman. Term limiting the bureaucrats is absolutely necessary. Good thing that's being discussed. Easy fix would be 10-year max in federal government, no pensions. That should apply to all decision-making level positions. Not bad. I, I like that you are uh, really thinking about the bureaucracy and not just term limiting federal officials or, or the judiciary. You're really expanding it beyond uh, just uh, uh, representatives at the federal level, but looking at the bureaucracy. Because as we said, Rita, we need to focus on or we need to not exclude the bureaucracy because then they will be unaccountable. Right. That's right. All right. Let's get one more in, Rita. I'll give this one to you. Melissa Martin. When the convention is called, there will be screaming by Congress. Yeah. More of a statement than <laughs> a question. <laughs> yeah, my response is yes, I think that's right. Of course, we have the outliers, you know, like we heard from Congressman Burleson on today's program, former sponsor of our Article 5 application in his home state of Missouri. And there are others like him who, even though they are in Congress, they are completely with us and understand and fully believe in the need for these amendments that we're only going to get through a state-led convention for proposing amendments. But the members of Congress who are just fully part of the swamp will be screaming and let scream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill Taylor from South Carolina, he always calls the federal government the children and the states are the parents. Well, they're going to be screaming like little children when we get to a convention. So I'll just leave that there. Uh, don't forget to, uh, there's a new episode of Crossroads with Rita on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Tune in for the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Leave us a five-star review on our podcast because that helps us reach more people. It helps us grow the show. It brings more awareness to this secret weapon that the Founding Fathers gave to us. We'll see you next Tuesday at 6 p.m. 6 Eastern time. Until then, we've got a country to save, so let's get back to work. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to today's program. For information, please visit www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod. That's www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod.